It used to be that controversial explicit sex ed in our public schools was regulated to just a few days in health class, and parents could opt their kids out of it. But now it seems like the floodgates have opened to everything, including transgenderism that can be promoted to kids as young as kindergarten without parents ever knowing about it. That's why we've decided it's time for legal action. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, last week we talked about that we were looking forward to the arrival of spring and now it's finally here and we all enjoyed a wonderful Easter weekend with our families and just that reminding us that we are a new creation in Christ. So there's a lot to celebrate, but there's also another thing that happens in spring, especially here in Virginia, and that is the appearance of all these little critters everywhere. Yeah, this has been one kind of a spring for me. I feel like I've been in a little bit of a battle with the animals. At my home, we have birds that are literally flying in through a vent and building a nest behind my dryer. And so we've been in this battle. Um, you know, we, we love birds, but not really living <laughs> in our house behind um, appliances we have to operate. And then at work, we're in the city in this building. And one of our high school kids actually, unfortunately, learned that cities contain rats. Um, tripped over one of those and the newest was when I went outside at my house and went to put the garbage in the trash can and a squirrel literally jumped out at me um <laughs> it's been something <laughs> yeah I, I have to say I loved your Facebook post on the birds because you thought at first it was so funny because you thought they were in your dryer because it just sounded like there's a bunch of birds flying around the dryer and so you're sitting there afraid to open the dryer door and then you figured out they're actually nesting behind the vent right yeah right. and we've actually had them behind our microwave in the past it's crazy um <laughs> These vents, these birds are smart. They just open the vent. Um, I will tell you, after the squirrel incident, I was sort of done with the animals. I texted my husband and I said, what is with this attack on the animals? And he wrote this really cute response, uh, which was something along the lines of, maybe I was designed to be like Cinderella, where I actually sing and dance with the animals while I do my daily tasks. So, And I would just argue with him that the city rats do not qualify in the Cinderella story. No, and... Um, yeah, I'm not. I can't do the rats. I, I gotta can't. I can't even really dance and sing with squirrels. It's just a little much. They're cute, far away, but I don't want one jumping out at me. Well, we've got a really significant update this week on what's going on in this whole effort to push the promotion of transgenderism into every single one of our school districts in this state, whether people in local communities really want that or not. Now, we had previously talked about how, as a result of a state law passed in 2020. Our state education department has developed these extremely disturbing guidelines on the whole issue of transgenderism in schools. And it's going to apply to all grade levels in Virginia, even as young as kindergarten. So, Victoria, can you tell us the latest on what's happening with this? Well, yeah, I think we might have talked about how we had some good news. We had over 9,000 people comment on these policies when they were in draft mode, two to one in opposition. That which did result in a temporary delay. But unfortunately, after 30 days, they just restated these guidelines. And so that's where we had to kick in the legal process, which is our Founding Freedoms Law Center has kicked in a high gear to defend families. Okay, well, before we get into all the particulars of that lawsuit, help us understand why you felt this legal action was necessary. What are some of the most disturbing parts of this policy that they are trying to get into schools? 
Well, uh, the first one is just a complete undermining of privacy rights of young girls, because again, you have open locker rooms, bathrooms, you name it all. And then there's the undermining of parental rights. So there's this idea in these guidelines that if a parent is not affirming enough of a child who struggles with their gender, that we should sort of be careful because it might be abuse. So there's real big concerns about all of this. Um, and really, there's this compelled speech component, which is just, you know, we're going to outright deceive the parents and we're going to force teachers and students to have to use what they call preferred pronouns, but it's really compelled speech. And so we've got all sorts of problems, uh, again, particularly for, for Bible-believing Christians that are trying to walk out biblical views of sexuality in this, in this spot. Yeah, and we had a press conference recently where we announced that we were uh, filing this lawsuit through our Founding Freedoms Law Center. And we had some wonderful parents at this press conference that just did an excellent job explaining how this is hitting them where they live, especially when it comes to allowing boys to um, that are identifying as girls to go into girls' bathrooms or changing the female locker rooms. And so one of those parents, Sarah Vaya, she was so honest about the pain that families in her school district have experienced with this situation. So let's just listen to her words on this. This has occurred in Hanover County public schools already. And the girls were forced to undress in front of a biological male against their will, and they feel as if the school system and trusted adults failed them. Well, you can really just hear the anguish in Sarah's voice because she's a mom and, you know, has a daughter that she's concerned about with this. So it's sad that the state is ignoring her voice and everybody in her community and thousands of others. So now that we've had to take this to the next level with a lawsuit, and, you know, it's interesting, Sarah's actually a participant in that, Help us understand the main components of it. What are we challenging exactly here? Well, there's two pieces. The first one is procedural, and the second one is constitutional. So procedurally, they didn't respond to all the comments like they were supposed to. The law tells them what they have to do before they issue these guidelines. They didn't do it. So that's the first piece. And then the second piece are the underlying legal concerns that were voiced in these comments, like it's a violation of people's privacy rights. It's a parental rights violation. It's actually a violation on a number of fronts. So we're going after all of those things in this lawsuit. Okay, so all those can be categorized into the procedural things that they didn't do and then constitutional violations that yeah. we're concerned about. And so I would just summarize that with basically they're trying to steamroll over the concerns that have been expressed by thousands of parents like Sarah and at the same time apply this one size fits all policy into every single school board in the state, even if it doesn't reflect the needs of that particular community, which is so unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, right now, the way it's going to work is we're going to wait for this case to be heard. In the meantime, our legal team has sent out a letter to all these school boards, making sure they know there's litigation underway, that they don't need to proceed right away, that, in fact, it's a bad idea to proceed because we don't want litigation in 139 localities instead of simply dealing with this on the front end. So we expect this to play out both at the courts and at the school board level. And uh, we, you know, listeners can expect to get alerts from us on how to keep monitoring this whole situation in particularly what your school board is doing with uh, this issue. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, in addition to that key battle playing out, let's start with the legalization of recreational marijuana. What happened with that? Yeah, not only did the governor sign it into law, but he actually made some last minute changes that speed up the whole process. I mean, this is not a quick thing when you legalize a new industry that has addictive 
qualities to it. So what he's done is made it so that now, rather than taking three years for all these things to come into effect, we're going to have legal recreational marijuana and even people allow, allowed to grow their own plants in their own home by this summer. This legislation just also kind of heads us in the direction of ending up having pot shots on every single corner. How is this really going to affect our local communities? Well, everyone who has ever had any interfacing with someone battling addiction knows the last thing we need is to create more opportunities where people face addiction. And so our nation's already struggling with a massive opioid addiction, for example. And a recent study actually just came out showing that basically for teenagers in particular, the addiction rates for marijuana are about the same as they are for prescription opioids. So this is just a tragic situation and it ends up leading into a lot of death. It is not something we can treat lightly or assume is just something people do for recreation. I don't even really like that term connected with it because for a lot of people, this is not going to be a recreation. It's going to be a lifelong struggle. You know, I don't know if people realize this, but opioid overdoses have become the leading cause of unnatural death here in Virginia. So it does seem really irresponsible. I would say even just harmful to open up that door. You know, and one interesting thing is the justification you keep hearing from the governor and others is that this is supposed to help restore equity to oppressed communities. In particular, the governor came out with a statement the other day. He said, people of color and people not of color use marijuana at the same rates, but people of color are three to four times more likely to be arrested and convicted. So he's saying that this is going to decriminalizing it is going to solve that whole problem. But I just don't get that logic. I mean, it just doesn't seem like we're getting at the root of the problem by just decriminalizing an addictive substance for everybody. Yeah, truth is, in states like Colorado, they have already gone down this road, and there's very little evidence that legalizing marijuana results in the decrease of arrests for Black and Hispanic youths. So it's not even necessarily going to work the way he thinks it will. But at the same time, it costs lives. After Colorado legalized marijuana, for example, traffic fatalities in the state, including drivers intoxicated from marijuana, rose by 86%. That's 86% in a four-year period. Yeah, and we've talked about before how in states where it's been legalized, poison control calls have escalated greatly. Kids have started showing up in school with things like uh, pot lace brownies and gummy bears, and the schools have had to call the paramedics. So this is a really serious impact on our communities. But again, just back to the logic in this, I mean, we were talking about how that, that logic is equivalent to saying if one of your kids is getting in trouble more than the other one, but they're both doing the same thing, you know, then you just give a free-for-all. You, you were talking about lying. I mean... <laughs> yeah, just because just cause I catch one kid lying more often than the other kids, because the other kid might be more deceptive or something, doesn't make lying all of a sudden okay that you can just, hey, we just won't get everybody anybody lies. Yeah, everybody lies. It's all okay. It makes no sense. Okay, well, it looks like there still might be some redemptive action people can take to protect their own neighborhoods, right? Yeah, there's two important things still in this bill. The first is a local opt-out. Communities can decide that they do not want pot shops, commercialization in their locality. That is still in the bill. And the other component is it's got an enactment clause. The layman's way to say that is that the General Assembly has to come back next year and still work on this bill. And so if we, as Virginians, decide we don't elect this same General Assembly, we pick some new House of Delegates members, we could actually undo some of this. We could actually work to not have the implementation go as badly as it seems. Now, I just want to mention, if people would like some of the facts we've been sharing about today, both about the transgenderism being promoted in schools and the marijuana stuff, we've got this all documented, all the facts we've been talking about in easy-to-use talking points. And the way to access that is just go to familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia. 
That's familyfoundation.org slash speakupvirginia and just click on the Speak Up Conversation Tips. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Today's Inconceivable Moment was brought to us by one of those rare moments when the media actually does its job and ask a tough question at a Biden administration press conference. That doesn't happen very often, but there was a brave reporter the other day who challenged Jen Psaki on this rather glaring inconsistency with the Biden administration's policy on marijuana. Yeah, news has been breaking over the last few days that the Biden administration actually apparently let go or disciplined dozens of staffers after they admitted to previous marijuana use. Now, the reason this is so ironic is, number one, Kamala Harris herself has openly stated that she has used marijuana in the past and is in favor of legalizing it. Let's just listen to her joking about it on a radio interview. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhale. I did inhale. I did, I did inhale. <laughs> It was a long time ago, <laughs> but yeah. I know you have to go. They say you have to go. I just, to I just broke news. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was it in college? Or... Uh-huh. See, see, I like stuff like that. That's a real <laughs> honest answer. Was uh-huh. it a blunt or joint? It was a joint. Hey. Yeah. Do you remember the high? <laughs> I do. So if it was legalized all throughout the country and <laughs> medicinal, would you, you know, do it? Listen, again? I think that it gives a lot of people joy, and we need more joy. <laughs> we need more joy in this world. <laughs> Well, they all seem really jolly about that, but the sad fact is we just spent a whole lot of time today talking about the documented harm to kids and communities when this is fully commercialized. You know, it's easy for them to joke around about it, but it is really families who are suffering. You know, there's so many families that have people that have addiction that it's just not a joke. But the other reason it's so ironic is that the Biden campaign as a whole, not just the vice president, really put a big emphasis on the push to decriminalize recreational marijuana. So the fact that his own staffers would lose their jobs over this is extremely telling. I mean, I guess maybe they're not willing to suffer the results of poor performance when it comes to their own White House. It certainly looks that way. So this week's Inconceivable Award definitely has to go to the Biden administration for not being willing to live by its own proposals. Well, it's time to wrap things up. And just to remind everyone, after we're done compiling these Inconceivable Awards, we're going to put them in a top 50 list so you can download. So if you want to participate in this process, be sure to send us your nominations to speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget we are stronger when we speak together.